another edition of the Checkerboard Chat. I'm Ryan Schumpert doing a little solo today as we're in exam schedule and everyone's uh, a little busy with getting prepared for exams, getting ready for that. But Vol Sports, uh, that's the kind of is stop. I was about to say it's not stopping for us, but I guess it kind of is. Vol Football now on a little bit of a break until they figure out their bowl game next week and get bowl practices started at the end of the early signing period. Basketball with a win last night over Florida A&M, a 29-point win over a struggling Florida A&M team, and they'll now be on a 10-day break during this exam period. But still playing to talk about over the last week, Tennessee football completed their in-season turnaround, getting to 7-5, and 5-3 in SEC play with the win over Vanderbilt. It was a... A sloppy day. You know, we had multiple delays at Neyland Stadium due to rain. Jarrett Garantano came out, didn't quite have the magic that he did against Missouri. Started 0-7, threw an interception on the first drive, which led to three of Vanderbilt's 10 points in Tennessee's win. But Tennessee bounced back after that, really committed to the run. And the story of the day was that Mr. Eric Gray, the freshman from Memphis, you know, he's shown some, you know, he's a big guy and uh, Preseason camp, there was a lot of hype about him. You know, next Alvin Kamara is what people were saying. He showed showed some flashes the first month of the season. But since then, I've really seen his role go down on this team. But Ty Chandler couldn't go Saturday with an ankle injury. And boy, did Eric Gray step up and make the most of his opportunities. 25 carries for 246 yards and three touchdowns for the running back. Breaking plenty of records on the way. 246 yards was the most rushing yards by a freshman in Tennessee history. His 94-yard rushing touchdown was the second longest run in Tennessee history, the longest run in the Southeastern Conference by a freshman running back ever. And I believe, I don't have this exact stat on me, I believe his 246 yards were the fifth most rushing yards by a Tennessee tailback in a game. But a really, really impressive display by him. Obviously a lot of credit. He gave a lot of credit after the game. Goes to the men up front. Offensive line did a good job. This you know, this is really the first game that they've really actually leaned on the run to be a run-first team. You know, we saw some flashes against Alabama. They ran the ball well in that game. Mississippi State, they got kind of conservative. They put together some first downs when they needed to, got that quick hit to Tyler Bird to win that game late. But they really didn't have a ton of success. They, they ran the ball a lot in that game, but played it conservative. They said, hey, our defense can win us this game. <clears throat> But that wasn't the case on Saturday. They said, we're going to run it right at Vanderbilt. They can't stop this. And look, that's fair. Vanderbilt, you know, obviously not, not a very good season for Derek Mason. And their run defense was, was bad all season. And credit Tennessee for taking advantage of that. But, you know, Missouri's run defense, you know, was pretty good. But Kentucky's run defense was pretty bad. And Tennessee really didn't even commit to run the ball a whole lot in that game. Didn't have a whole lot of success when they did. So impressive nonetheless, obviously, on that 94-yard run I was just alluding to. I think one player touched Eric Gray as he broke through that hole. He said it in his post-game press conference. You know, he busted through the first line, got hit by one guy, and there was nobody else. So an impressive day for Eric Gray, absolutely no doubt about that, but give a lot of credit to the men up front as well. And, you know, like I was just kind of talking about, as Tennessee completes this five-game five-game SEC win, you know, five out of six, I guess it wasn't five-game win streak, six out of seven, five out of six SEC games they won. What really strikes me about it is they, they just found ways to win in different found ways to win in different ways. They never put together a great game. All those games, I mean, I guess 
a little bit less in the South Carolina game. South Carolina game, they played really well outside of that first play. Can you look at and be like, man, they they shot themselves at the foot at times. You know, interception early against Vanderbilt, they were just a little sloppy, a lot of penalties, some personal fouls. Missouri, fumble late. When you're trying to ice it, Kentucky fumble late when you're trying to ice it. Block field goals against Missouri, block punt against Kentucky. They've really been resilient in finding ways to win. And I think that says a lot. You know, obviously, I don't think anyone's trying to crown Tennessee for what they did. You know, it's not a, a ton of great teams they played there in the second half of the season. But that's a lot of, you know, not many people expected them to win those games. And, you know, and I think you have to tip your cap to Jeremy Pruitt and what his staff's able to do, and especially the way that they just found ways to win. They didn't really play excellent in any of those games. And Pruitt said it after Missouri, that's one of the hardest things about building a program is building a winning culture and a, a team that finds ways to win, and that's and that's what they did. And, you know, pivoting over to the defensive side of the ball, I think that's what, you know, there's a lot of great stories on the offensive side. Trey Smith, battling back from blood clots. Jarrett Garantanos, Garantanos, excuse me, really bad first half of the season to turn it around, lead this team as a starter, says he's coming back next year. Juwan Jennings' redemption story, which we'll get a little bit more to some Juwan Jennings news a little bit later in the podcast. But it's been this defense that's just been consistent, consistent, consistent. In the five SEC wins this year, Tennessee gave up 10 points to Mississippi State, 21 to South Carolina, seven of which came on that first play of the game. 13 to Kentucky, 20 to Missouri, and 10 to Vanderbilt. That's 74 points combined in those five games. Last season, when Tennessee was sitting 5-5 five and five with their last two games, they had Missouri, they had Kentucky, or excuse me, they had Missouri, they had Vanderbilt. They needed one of them to get to a bowl, and as we know, got beat pretty handily in both those games. They gave up 88 points in just those two games. 88 points. That is 14 more points in those two games than Tennessee gave up in their five SEC wins this season most of which came in the latter half of the schedule. And it's pretty remarkable to look at the way that this team has made, this defense has made jumps throughout the season. Gave up 38 points in that Georgia State game. And I think it shows how much, you know, up front, your front seven means in, in college football and football in general. That defensive line looked pretty dreadful earlier in the season. And, you know, there was, there was nobody there was nobody that was had played significant minutes. The only returner was Emmett Gooden junior college transfer from two seasons ago and he'd been pretty good in 2018 but got injured before before the season started he missed the whole time and you look around you're saying who's gonna be able to make plays can they just find a way to be okay up front on defense and early in the season they didn't look like they were going to but man those guys turned it around Daryl Middleton Greg Emerson, Aubrey Solomon, Latrell Bumpus, and it was just, it was by committee. So many different guys came in and played high-level football, or at least solid-level football for Tennessee, and then you add the centerpiece of the defense, Daniel Batuli, missed those first two games of the season, Georgia State, BYU, and you saw in that Georgia State game, Tennessee looked out of place at times, and as, as good as Henry Toto has been this season as a true freshman starting at inside linebacker, I think he was confused a little bit in that Georgia State game at times, and man, when Daniel Daniel Batuli's been back, he's been he's been pretty 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 impressive. And I know he's not great against the pass, and his stats aren't going to be up there with the top defensive players in this league, you know, in tackles due to the fact that he missed those games. But you know, I think you look at him play, play it's I'd be hard pressed to find 
six guys that deserve to make all SEC, one through three teams over him, as good as he's been this season. Very impressive. And I think you see the jump of Tennessee's defense going from year one in the 3-4 Saban, Jeremy Pruitt system to year two. And there's clearly a better understanding of it. They're getting more reliable play. A lot of those nickel corner blitzes that we didn't see work very well for Tennessee last year worked really well for Tennessee this year. You know, Sean Schamberger had sacks. Delonte Taylor had sacks. Sean Schamberger, man, what a great year he had, kind of under the radar. Had a lot of, you know, a couple run blitzes that he made big plays on on third down one at Kentucky's coming to mind right now before the half. But just really impressive. And in those, another stat to kind of throw at you here, in those five games, Tennessee gave up 17, def- excuse me, 24 second-half points, 7 to Mississippi State, 10 to Missouri, 7 to Vanderbilt, none against USC, South Carolina, and Kentucky. 24 points the second half in their five SEC wins this year. Tennessee gave up 24 second-half points just in that Missouri game last year. Additionally, 21 points in the Vanderbilt game last year and 18 points in the South Carolina game last year. Those were the three games that Tennessee needed to find a way to win one of those to make a bowl game and the defense really let him down in the second half of all three of those games. Now, especially the offense played pretty well in that South Carolina game, the Missouri and Vanderbilt game. They did not. There was not a whole lot that did not let Tennessee down in those two games in the season last year. But very, very impressive turnaround by this defense, by Jeremy Pruitt. And I think, like I said, as many good stories as are on the offense, and you know, the offense's improvement I think is more magnified just because of how much it proved within the year, as dreadful as they were early in the season – a lot of that due to the quarterback play to being, you know, pretty good in the second half of the season. But at the end of the day, I still think it's the defense that's been the anchor for this team and anchor of this turnaround. So moving forward a little bit and getting into a little bit of bowl talk, Auburn's win over Alabama Saturday, the upset down on the Plains had people thinking Tennessee may be headed for Tampa in the Outback Bowl, get a little leg up. College Bowl Playoff Committee comes out with their rankings Tuesday, has the Crimson Tide at 12. That talk fades a little bit as it looks like Alabama will not get a New Year's Six Bowl, which would send the Crimson Tide to Orlando to play in the Citrus Bowl, which would in turn send Auburn to Tampa to play in the Outback Bowl. And then that leaves Tennessee with what would more than likely be a Gator Bowl appearance in Jacksonville on January 2nd. That seems like the most likely scenario if you look at it that way. But don't rule out Music City Bowl. You know, I'm sure they would love to have Tennessee in Nashville December 30th. And Liberty Bowl has been begging for the Vols since 2014 when Butch Jones got him back eligible and asked him went to the Gator Bowl down in Jacksonville. So I think it'll be interesting to follow. Obviously, things could change. Alabama could maybe slip into – I don't think they're going to get that Orange Bowl spot. I think that's going to go to Florida. But can maybe slip into a Fiesta Bowl spot. Possibly that would be a – Interesting game to watch as Alabama will probably get Memphis in that one. But more than likely, I think they're going to be headed to the Citrus Bowl, which would mean I believe Tennessee will more than likely go to Gator Bowl. We'll see. Obviously, a lot up in the air as we still have conference championship weekend. Georgia winning could really change all of that. If Georgia wins, I could see Alabama getting into that Fiesta Bowl and Tennessee going to the Outback Bowl. But we'll see what happens there. Some opponents, common opponents we're seeing thrown out there, Indiana, Iowa, Minnesota, those seem like the more likely ones. Maybe Michigan if they can get into the Outback Bowl. So we'll see. Tennessee will have to be playing in that first in their bowl game without Jawan Jennings for the first half 
SEC announced on Wednesday that Jawan Jennings would be suspended for stepping on the face of a or the head, I guess, of a Vanderbilt player on the sideline um, late in that game Saturday. Look, I don't think you can can prove there was intent. Jennings wasn't looking. I think you watch that play, and it's hard for me to say that there's no way Jennings meant to do it either. You know, quite frankly, Jennings hit a guy three yards, two yards, two steps out of bounds, drove him into the ground, kind of ripped his helmet off as people pulled him off of him. Was a very aggressive and late, you know, borderline dirty play. Um, so you know, it's it's kind of odd to see a half game. It's you know, if you meant to do it, that's a full game. If you didn't mean to do it, that's that's nothing. But I think that keeps all parties decently pleased. Phil Fulmer, Tennessee's athletic director, released a statement saying that they had communicated with Greg Sankey and SEC and they respected their decision. And then also added in that Jawan Jennings had done everything that they've asked him to do since Pruitt's been there, obviously a reoccurring theme there. And, you know, I say all that, I don't want to take anything away from Juwan Jennings, what his turnaround has been in this program, what he has mean, meant to this program and this fan base is, is very, very special. And he's a guy that will be remembered a long time, both for the plays that he made in 2016 to beat Florida, to beat Georgia, but also what he did for the season. He came back, I think a lot of people, when he was re- taken back on the team after he was kicked off and Pruitt brought him back last season. Everyone thought he'd be there for one year. You know, he's a guy that clearly loves the University of Tennessee, loves the state. He's an in-state kid, and what he's done has been so impressive. That what a season he's had has been such a key role in Tennessee turning it around. You know, he said it after that Georgia State game. He wasn't here for a one-game fight. He was here for a 12-game fight, and he brought it every single week. He was going to bring it to the whistle, sometimes through the echo of the whistle, as Bobby Bowden used to say. But I think overall, a little odd in the punishment, but I think it's, I understand as he's coming from, I think it's overall fair. I think it would be unfair to take away Jawan Jennings' last chance to play in a Tennessee uniform in the bowl game, especially considering the season he's had and the role he's had in getting Tennessee back to one. But at the same time, I do think that was a play that certainly should have been penalized on the field. I don't know how it wasn't. I understand, you know, what happened that's something that you can't do and you're going to get penalized for suspension of half a game. I think overall relatively fair. Pivoting to the basketball team, you know, it was a busy Thanksgiving break for them. They headed down to Destin, more specifically Niceville, Florida, where they played in the Emerald Coast Classic, dropping their first game of the year in the semifinal Friday night to Florida State 60-57. to and oh boy, that was an ugly one. 21 turnovers for the Vols, 8 from Lamonte Turner, 5 from Josiah James. Those were 13 from your point guards right there. Not going to win many games playing like that, especially, you know, Tennessee came out the gate firing on turnovers, not firing on all cylinders, getting down by double digits quick in that game. But I was very impressed with the, the resolve of the team and you know, I don't think that's a surprise that this team continually played hard, fought to the last last whistle, only losing that game by three in a game they really could never get over to hump, never got a lead. They might have had a lead there early, but after they got down by double digits and fought back, never got a lead. And, you know, I sat there after the game, and I my thought process was, man, this Tennessee played very, very bad. And they lost to a good Florida State team, Florida State team that went on to beat Purdue. The next day, Purdue, who absolutely destroyed 
the defending national championship Virginia yesterday. That's a good Florida State team. They're ranked in the top 20. They have you know two two losses early in this year, Pittsburgh and Indiana, but now wins over Purdue, Tennessee, Florida. That's a good team, and Leonard Hamilton always says his guy is ready. And Tennessee played bad in that game and lost by three points. And I think that's very impressive. You know, I think that shows is a good tool for Rick Barnes to say, look to point to his young team and say, look, you play defense, you can play bad on offense and still win. And that's what Barnes said Monday in his press conference. He said, you know, we met every single goal we set for ourselves defensively, every game. We met every single one of them and still lost, which is pretty resounding because I know a lot of games they play well on defense and they don't meet all those goals. But, you know, a, a tough loss, but they had to come out the next day and they bounced back well. They got an impressive win over Virginia Commonwealth, a team that was number 20 at the time. They've fallen out of the polls this week, but a good win, 72-69. Lamonte Turner, man, he's a big shot hitter. He hits the game winner with 1.9 seconds left. Barnes draws up an inbound play from the side, gets him a three in the corner. He hits the fadeaway three over a defender to give Tennessee the win. John Fulkerson led the ball 17 points in that game. Jordan Bowden, 14 as well. A good bounce back win for Tennessee and a win that I think makes that trip a successful one for the Vols. They didn't win Nimrod Coast Classic. They came in third, but Tennessee picked up a second really strong resume win early in the season to go along with their win over Washington. They head up in Canada earlier in November. And then they lost the Florida State game, but that's not a bad loss. And I think that's a game that's going to give Rick Barnes a lot of teaching points for his team, a lot to point at and say, this is what we need to do better going forward. You know, obviously not not a moral victory. There's no moral victories for a program that has won as many games as Tennessee has these past few years. But, you know, still when Tennessee's in good shape, you saw them drop four points, four spots in the polls, number 21 this week. But still an impressive, uh, an impressive early season performance. And, you know, diving into it a little deeper here, it's the defense. You know, kind of harping on the same thing as I did on football. Tennessee currently holding their opponents, you know, eight games in the season now, 36% from the field, very, very impressive, 31% from three-point lines, but they're holding opponents to that 69 points they gave up to VCU is the most they've given up in a game this season. To be eight games in a year, I don't care who you're playing, and Tennessee's played some good teams, played three good teams. They beat a Murray State team who's a good mid-major, Chattanooga's, you know, has the potential to have a solid year. To not have given up 70 points yet this far into the season is very impressive. Eight games in the season, very impressive. Says a lot. 63 is actually the second most points they've given up. They've given that up in three games now. And it's just, this defense is without a doubt right now the identity of this team. If this Tennessee team is going to make a run in the SEC this year, compete for an SEC championship like they have the past two seasons, I think they're going to have to lean on their defense. And then they showed a potential to completely do it. You know, I think the one thing you have to wonder is, can they hold up night in and night out inside against good interior scorers? They did it against Washington, and I think they certainly have the capability to. Fulkerson's a good defender. Pons is what he what he's Pons can do. There are not many people like him in college basketball. The way he can guard so many spots on the floor, he's a good. He's proven to be a good interior defender as well. But I wonder if they get in, some guys get in foul troubles, which happens frequently on the road in the SEC, you know, as inconsistent as the whistles are in college basketball. Can they hold up when they have to lean on some other guys to play down low? I think that's going to be the biggest question for this defense going forward, but they've been very impressive. Hold three opponents into the 40s. 
And it's just been a strong, it's been a strong, strong start to the season for Tennessee. You know, you watch them play and they really don't wow you in a whole lot of what they do. I think it's because some of the offensive numbers aren't, you know, don't stand out too much. They haven't been super strong on that end of the floor. But they just bring their, you know, the, the quote Conzo Martin, they bring their hard hat every single day to work on the defensive end. They don't give up anything easy. And that's what I said here on the podcast a few weeks ago when we were talking about the Zach Kent de- departure and not getting Euros Plastic eligible. I wasn't, I wasn't panicking on what this Tennessee had on the interior. You know, it still is worrisome. There's not much depth. But just the length that Tennessee has on this team, you know, from their guard spot, it's, is, is pretty impressive. You know, Jordan Bowden's a long guy. Devontae Gaines, who's clearly by the game seemingly gaining more and more trust from Rick Barnes, has a lot of length. Josiah James, you know, he's hasn't hit the ground running on the offensive end. Actually did have his career high last night with 10 points and played pretty well in Florida, too, on the offensive end. So he's slowly so, showing some improvements. But he leads his team in rebounding right now. He's a strong, physical guy. He can play some four when they need to. And, you know, that's that's what's what's been impressive, too, about Tennessee and their lack of sizes, the rebounding. Some is because, you know, they're playing lesser opponents who can't, you know, match them size, you know, aren't taking advantage of Tennessee's lack of size necessarily. And Tennessee's playing better defense, getting more chances for rebounds. But out-rebounding opponents, 317 to 249 so far this season. That comes out to 8.5 a game is the positive rebounding margin. You're talking about a team that's starting big men are John Fulkerson, who's, you know, he's not a star, but he's a very good, you know, very solid player. You know, had a strong role last year. He's starting to play better and better. He's been Tennessee's leading scorer in back-to-back games now. So he had 15 last night against Florida and him. And he's Pond's guy who played on the wing last year. 6'5", you know, obviously a freak athlete. Those are your two starters, and off the bench you have Olivier Camois, a guy that you can see his talent flash. He had a double-double last night with 10 points and 13 rebounds, but a freshman, wasn't highly touted, wasn't a guy a ton of people expected to come in here and make a huge impression from day one. And then Drew Pember is really their fourth guy, and he's a guy that's, you know, he's, he's big, he's a freshman, but he's as thin as a rail out there, and Tennessee's finding a way to win rebounding battles, play good interior defense. <clears throat> Excuse me. But it's, it's it's been very impressive. And I think that's, you know, I said I think that's how they're going to win. Their offense, a lot of it, you know, Lamonte Turner's shoulders bang, banged up, and that would go a long way for Tennessee if they could get that healthy and get him shooting the way he's capable of. But this offense does not seem to be one that's going to be able to outscore a whole lot of people this year. Eight games into the year have just scored 80 points one game. That was in the opener against UNC Asheville. Only two players on the team shooting over 33% from three. East Pond shooting 36. Jordan Bowden shooting an impressive 42% as the team shoots 33% overall. All not awful numbers, you know, but when you don't have a Grant Williams to throw the ball into down low to give you buckets and you don't really have Great slashers, you know, Lamonte Turner's a pretty solid slasher. Josiah James has potential to be. And Jordan Bounding is a guy that he's not going to drive all the way to the basket a lot. He's more of a, you know, one-two dribble pull-up guy. You know, you're, you don't have that consistent scoring. You need a, you would hope for a little better three-point shooting if you don't have guys that can score at a really high level otherwise. So, so I think that's going to be their biggest, I don't know, downfall, weakness offensively. They just... 
they're not going to be able to click, I think, on every night. They're going to have some nights like the Florida State game where they're going to have to slug out wins. But defense and rebounding travels, and Tennessee has done a very good job of that so far this season. Ten-day break now as the Vols get ready for Memphis, a game that is going to be exciting. We'll have a sold-out Thompson Bowling Arena. The Tigers ranked in the nation's top 15, and all eyes, I feel like, in the college basketball world will be on that that one, which will be likely to be a top 20 matchup after last season's game and the rocky relationship between Rick Barnes and Penny Hardaway. The Vols will go for their 32nd straight win at Thompson Bowling Arena, their longest in the longest active streak in the nation. Rick Barnes, I believe, I could be off here. I should have should have had this one. This is on me. Should have had this looked up. Going for his 800th career win, I believe that's the mark. Maybe it's 700. It's a it's an imp. I'll tell you that. And I know Penny Hardaway would love nothing more than to end that home winning streak at Thompson Bowling Arena and to hold Barnes back from reaching that title, reaching that mark against him in his Memphis squad. They will be without James Wiseman. I believe they will be out without Precious, one of their other go-to guys. So they're a little banged up too, but obviously Tennessee is, as we have mentioned on other podcasts, low on numbers and depth. So that'll be about all for this edition of the Checkerboard Chat. Thank you for listening to me ramble here for 25 minutes. We will be back next week. We will talk a little bit of recruiting next week as we get closer and closer to that early signing period. A big decision coming for Omari Thomas, possibly before we record again as the Briarcrest High School standout will choose between Tennessee, Auburn, Texas A&M, and Florida early next week. Big one the Vols need, big one that the Vols want there. We'll have full coverage of that. We'll have full coverage of Tennessee's bowl game and bowl wherever they end up going. We'll figure out this Sunday. We'll have full coverage of Tennessee basketball and a little Tennessee baseball article out today on Thursday, a Vols and the Pros update as Matthew Shaver for us took a look at the six players drafted in this last MLB draft from Tennessee and how they have fared in their first professional season. Good stuff there for Matthew. Thank you for joining me. Have a good day, everybody.